Welcome to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast, the podcast that shows you how to build a world-class service business from the dirt up. And now your host, Mark Stoner. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Stoner, and I am officially the hippest podcaster in the world this week. Yes, it's true. <laughs> I have a brand new shiny hip, titanium. I'm part bionic man now, and it was quite an ordeal. Goes on to that 50-plus category, new hip. Um so far, I cannot recommend it. <laughs> I think it's going to be great, honestly. I think it's really going to help me, but it's pretty painful coming out of it. I um, had the surgery on Wednesday. I missed my normal podcast. I normally do it on Thursday, but I just I could not. I, I could not get through the pain. I, they actually kept me in the hospital longer than I thought. I thought it was basically outpatient surgery. I was going to go in. They were going to do the procedure. I was going to get up. We're going to do some exercise and send me home in a walker is how I thought it was going to be. And they said that could happen. But as I got laying there, they're like, oh, no, you're probably going to stay overnight. So, um, but boy, um, when I woke up from the surgery, um, I, I, you know, of course, anybody's had surgery, you don't remember anything, but I remember being wheeled in there and they're like, okay, we're going to do a spinal. So they did a spinal, you know, numbness thing on, on me. And then they put something in my IV and boom, I was out. And, but when I woke up in the, re, in the recovery room, it was the most intense pain I have ever had, and I was having a hard time. I couldn't catch my breath. It was so bad. I was looking at that nurse like, uh, I kept saying, please help me, please help me. She goes, we got some medicine coming, we got some coming. I'm like, you know, I was dying of thirst. It felt like I was in the Sahara. I couldn't get enough water, and every time she gave me water, it felt like she was just punking me, just give me just barely enough to, to not, you know, to not die. But I, then I was just still thirsty. And then I don't normally cuss, but I'm cussing. I am cussing. I'm cussing at myself for being a wimp. I'm cussing. I'm like, just not cussing her. Cause every time I'd start cussing, I would, I'd say to her, I'm not cussing you. I'm so sorry. I'm just in a lot of pain. And she was very, they were all very great. They were all very caring and kind and trying to help me. And I remember just looking at them, looking at me in pain and just dead big, you know, doe eyes feeling sorry for me. And I, w I just couldn't get a grip of myself for a minute to just, you know, she kept saying, relax, relax. You got to breathe. You got to relax. And I could for, you know, a few seconds and then, man, that it just hurt. I mean, that intense internal pain that I'm just not, <laughs> I'm not good with, but, um, I'm a few days out. I never really did walk on a walker. I immediately kind of got up on it. And um, there's really not a danger of it right then. The danger is they have to move your, your muscle to the side. They actually didn't cut the muscle. They moved it to the side, brought the bone out through it. And the, the danger would be dislocation back through it with the muscles a little bit weak right there. And... Um, the pain medicine has been good. It's been really good. If I stay on it, I really am not in too much discomfort. But what I've tried to be I've tried to do is stop taking the pain medicine as soon as I could. 
because several years ago when I fell off the roof, I started getting addicted to the opioids. I could feel it was taking Oxycontin and, you know, not long after it, I was supposed to take it every, every see eight hours. And then I kind of wanted to take it every seven hours and then every six hours. And then I ran out and they gave me another, you know, another prescription and every four hours. And I just realized, I'm like, what am I doing? I'm, I'm taking it, but I don't really need it. I just feel like I, I want to take it. And I really started getting addicted to it. And I broke myself of it. And I didn't go down the path that a lot of people have. But I can certainly see how that can happen because it really plays tricks on your mind. So this time I'm really trying to not... I've just got oxycodone, which I found out was really the same thing as oxycontin. Oxycontin just has more of a time release factor. And oxycodone is more more of immediate release. But... They're basically the same drug, so I just got to be super careful. Now, they've prescribed it to me just twice a day instead of four times a day, and I was only going to try to take it once a day, but um, I'm trying to get off of it, but, man, sometimes that pain is really deep in the bone, and I cannot get comfortable, or there's nothing that will relieve it except for that. So um, I'm being very, very careful. I don't have the same feelings that I had with it when I fell off the roof several years ago. But my my leg my, is all swollen. It's big. It's black and blue. Uh, it looks rough. I sent a picture to my group from Ashbusters today, and one of my friends, Chris Adair, said it looked like a turkey turkey uh, leg that you'd see at one of those uh, Renaissance fairs. <laughs> it's just big and nasty. But I'm walking. I'm moving around. Thank you for all the people who sent messages and. Um, you know, overall, it's supposed to be a pretty, you know, successful type of surgery, but it's pretty invasive. You know, they cut the head of your bone off, cut the head of your thigh bone off, and then they ream out the socket up in your up in your hip. They attach a new titanium cup and then like a plastic nylon cup inside that. And then this when they, they cut the head of the bone off and then they drive the stake down in it and they screw this other part to it. So it's all compartmentalized so if something goes wrong with any of it they don't really have to do major surgery on you again they just take that one component out that failed and replace it so um what i got was supposed to last 15 to 20 years so hopefully it will be the last time i do it well not really hopefully i have to have two or three more but they last the, the as long as they should but uh that was wednesday Earlier in the week, um, on Sunday, I had a uh, one of the a person I talk about quite a bit, Tiffany Largie, do the damn thing. She had one of her Tequila with Tiffany events, which is a Sunday night kind of just a gathering for people um, that are, are going through her night school. And so we got on about eight o'clock central. And, you know, everybody has to have a drink. Some people don't. They're drinking water. But I think I had some 1811 margarita mix. And I had some Patron in case I needed it. But I never did crack that out. But we cheered a lot. Cheered each other. It's really a celebration. She's really having fun with her people who who log on. Um, it turns into a business type of event. But really, it was really just fun. And she, she dances a lot and, you know, gets a lot of uh, people 
responding back to her on uh, mostly all through the thread chat on the side. So you can just, it just fills up with everybody cheering each other on and, and saying funny stuff. So, but it was another one of those events where these people are very, um, they're very much into dreaming. They're very much into uh, what if, what are the possibilities? Um, If anybody can do it, they can do it. And I just love that energy that they bring. They are very positive people, and they they all have life events too, and they all have bad stuff happen to them, but they just keep pushing, and they find groups of people that are like them and push, help them push through and help them give advice at the right points. And that night I was one of the, you know, kind of business mentors on the, on the calls, we talked until one thirty in the morning central and I had to get up at six in the morning <laughs> and, but many people were from New York. It was two thirty central. She had a couple hundred people on there and at two thirty in the morning, they still had like a 97% uh, rate, like 3% drop off uh, for all those hours. And, you know, it was neat to be part of something that was, you know, very um, influential for people. I They took, the one lady said she took 12 pages of notes. And that's a big thing to take notes and take, uh, you know, takeaways. And, and what are the things that are said that are going to change your mind? And, you know, one of the things I mentioned was, um, you know, if you have the, the process and the thought that you can't be denied, you, you will not be denied something that is um, a very different, a very different feeling when you go after something. And like they were, they were stating some of their goals. And one person, and I don't remember the person, and I don't remember exactly the goal. But let's just say it was, it was to get three more monthly clients uh, this year, and and you know, in their coaching or something. And I said, well, you know, to me. It depends on how bad do you want that three for the year sounds pretty easy. I don't know your, you know, your product, but let's just say this. What if you had to get three more client monthly paying clients or your child was going to die? I bet you could get three more monthly clients by the end of the day. If you really want it, if you really want something, you will not be denied. You will get it. And so that just brought up the point of how bad do you want it? I don't, most people don't want it bad enough to go through the fire. They don't want it bad enough to go through true pain and true scariness and, um, you know, just the hard, hard stuff. You know, how bad do you want a bigger business? Do you want it bad enough to go through the pain of, learning to be a better leader and learning to be, um, you know, learning to give up the, the control and learning to watch people fail and make mistakes and you have to coach through them or you have to raise them up or you have to let them go. But if you will not be denied something, uh, you're going to get there. If you absolutely are, will not be denied, you know, it's just like some of these you know, it sounds terrible, but you know, somebody that's on a, you know, one of these suicide bombers or one of these people that were absolutely going to do whatever it takes to kill somebody and they don't care about themselves. 
you know, the, almost all of the security people say you can't really stop a person like that. You know, if they're determined to do something, you really can't stop them. So taking several steps back from that, you've probably met people that were so driven. You just knew they were going to make it. You just knew they were so driven that they they had to do it. You knew they were going to do it. You knew saying no to them doesn't work. Um, any kind of discouragement probably gives them fuel or fire. They just won't be denied. And I'll tell you that the meeting with those people the other night, uh, the do the damn thing night school, they were full of people that, that will not, I believe will not be denied. Now it all comes, it all comes home when the big hits start coming, you know, when the, when the client that you wanted is mad, when the client you wanted doesn't pay their bill, when the client you wanted, um, turns out to take up all your time and then you have to manage it. And then you're like, man, I wanted three clients, but man, I guess I didn't really want three clients. I wanted one great client. So how bad do you want it, man or woman, whoever's listening, are you willing to absolutely go through the fire and not be denied? Some people, gosh, any little roadblock, you can be denied. And I talked about that in my past episodes. Um, I know people that just can be denied easily. The world, there's no easy wins out there. And the world will absolutely deny you. You're just not going to march into whatever you thought you were going to do, and the the doors open up, and and the carpet rolls out in front of you, and boom, it just happens. Um, you have to just keep opening doors, and opening dead end doors, and knocking on doors, and people don't answer, and making phone calls, and trying marketing plans, and no one responds, and being broke, and putting your faith in people that may not you know, have your best interest, you know, employees or, you know, even, even professionals, you know, that you hire, that you think, um, you know, a friend of mine, you know, put something on Facebook. He's like, uh, Hey, I need to find someone to do, you know, a job for him. And everybody's recommended these people and, and, you know, they weren't working for him. And, you know, that happens too. You know, sometimes you just don't click with, you know, like somebody that worked for me did a great job for me, doesn't click for somebody else, or it's a different time in their life and they don't have enough, they have too much work or who knows, there's a million reasons why it doesn't work, but you just keep moving. And, and I know this person who is listening will keep moving and find somebody. That's why he was reaching out. But and it, it hurts me too. If I make a recommendation, I'm, I'm always trying to help somebody. I'm trying to help both people, the people I'm recommending and the people I'm, uh, that are getting the recommendation. I'm hoping that it's going to be a good match. And by far, the vast majority of them are because if they can usually work for me, they can work for other people. And it's been very successful on, on several of those type referral basis, but sometimes it doesn't. But bottom line is people will let you down. People will absolutely, um, do that, but so many people can raise you up too, and try to surround yourself with people who have your back at all costs. Will you know? Will answer the phone when you, when you, uh, when you need. <laughs> I heard a funny statement one time. You know, a, a friend will help you move, but a good friend will help you move a body. <laughs> and so, um, I've always thought that was pretty funny. But 
you know that that's the truth. A good friend will absolutely go to whatever whatever level it takes to to help you. So will a good employee. You know, a good, very good employee will put themselves to the side and do what it takes to help. And the more of those kind of people you can get on your team, the better team you have, the stronger team you have, the more amazing team you have. We right now are um, doing a lot of tornado repair damage uh, in the Nashville area. And my project manager on some of these is just really impressed with how hard our teams are working to get through, you know, a lot of the repair work. There's lots of guys putting lots of fireplaces in. He's, He's really impressed with how they're working as a team. I also want to mention that I was on a podcast last week called Dreams Are Real with Dan McPherson. And it was about a two-hour podcast. It was a a really great interview. In fact, Dan um, had really great questions, very insightful, um, very insightful analogies on kind of when I would say certain things happen in my life to lead to other things. And he kind of tied them together in ways that I'd never I'd never seen before. You know, he talked about me wrestling, you know, when I was a wrestler and and getting slammed and realized I shouldn't be wrestling um, when I moved into the up into the college level that I I never, you know, I never made it in the college level at all. But it was kind of like when I got slammed in um, in falling off a roof, uh, I realized I shouldn't be maybe working by myself. And he, he really tied some things together in a neat way and asked some really great questions. And, um, you know, it was just really fascinating. So if you, I'll put a link in the show notes, but, uh, Dan McPherson dreams, a real podcast. And I'm, uh, he did one on, on me. It's called chimneys to chocolate. And uh, kind of the process of how I got into all the businesses and then, you know, now currently in the chocolate business. Um, Good news on the chocolate business side, we are reopening uh, actually Tuesday after Memorial Day. We're going to grand or re-grand open. And uh, we've got some really neat uh, prospects lining up for us to make custom chocolates for their companies. And if you're listening, um, we've got a lot of meetings next week and we have a lot of trial runs of different colors and and, and, uh, packaging and all kinds of things to make custom chocolates for some really big, well-known companies. I'll wait to, to mention it if we get it, but one of them is a huge global market company that everyone knows and uh, they literally want our name on the packaging not their name because some of these bigger companies want everything to be um, you know really part you know branded under their brand and you kind of take your brand off but this company wants if they do it they want our name on it for guest services and guest gifts and that we're less that's a big deal to us so um we're pretty excited this week what else is going on um i'll tell you one of the questions um or that kind of led me to think maybe the topic of the week was you know when you're starting business um kind of the story of the of your first customer client you know, kind of sale or person that you helped in business. And I thought it was interesting because now I've helped hundreds of thousands of of customers. Literally, our business um, handles that, you know, tens of thousands of years, tens of thousands of customers per year. And 
you know, I don't get to know the, the vast majority of the customers, and I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed knowing the people. But if you're really going to serve a lot of people, there's no way you can you can get to know them personally. And so what do you want in business? Do you want to be the one to serve them, or do you want your company to be the one to serve them? And then that way you can serve more people. But I remember um, one of the main things that changed in my business was when I first started. When I first started, I remember I mostly was knocking on doors and, you know, I was just kind of doing family and friends. And that's how a lot of businesses start. You kind of do who you know. And then I got a Yellow Pages ad and I remember my first call for a person. I don't remember the person themselves, but I remember still being scared that I really don't know what I'm looking at, but they're going to pay me anyway. And and probably a couple years after that, one of the most impactful people, and I do not know his name, and I only met him for maybe five minutes, one of the most impactful people came to see me, and I believe I've mentioned it before on the show, but um, I want to mention it again, I was in a trade show, I was at a home show in Nashville, I just moved to Nashville, and I was, I had a trade show uh, booth, I had a table set up, I had brochures, I had my banner across the back, Ashbusters Chimney Service, and a guy walked up to me, and um, he, he's like an old guy, and really gruff and mean, you know, kind of mean looking, looked right at me, he's like, uh, what do you do? I said, I'm a chimney sweep, and he said, you don't do enough to tell people about your business. And and I I was defensive and I said, yes, I do. I mean, I, I just kind of sat back. I'm like, well, what is this? You know, what you, I'm, I'm out here. I'm talking to you. What do you mean I don't do enough? And, you know, I, but he was right. He said, people don't know about your service. They don't know enough about your service. People burn their houses down and you, you don't do enough for people to know about your business. And again, what if somebody did that to you? What if they walked up to you and said, you don't do enough to tell people about your business? You know what they would, you would probably realize they're right. You don't, you don't do enough. You don't talk about it enough. You don't bring it out enough. You don't, um, go out and put yourself on the edge of things, uh, enough to make sure people know about your service. And I, I'll never forget that moment because I realized if I was ever really, if for me to feel like I did enough, I would need to go bigger. I need to go national. I would need to talk more on a national level. I would need to volunteer more and try to get on boards and try to get on, um, you know, in front of more people and, and boost the industry through leverage, through, um, education and through people knowing more about our services. And, and in Nashville, I mean, there's two, there's two points of that. You can boost it through customers, right. And, and marketing and branding and making sure everybody knows about your business. But two, um, 
then you boost it through leverage through your industry so your whole industry has better tools to market their services to people to be able to serve them more. And in general, the majority of the people in the chimney business are very good people and they are trying to help people and they're trying to save lives and trying to make a good living and hardworking people. And you do want them in your in your life. You do want them to get to know them and have them help you uh, fix things around your house and keep you safe. So that guy set me on a journey, on a path that I was not doing enough. And so before I, you know, hand this off to my Mikey minutes part, I want to, I want to, I want you to think about this, which is the thing I talked about earlier. Will you, are you going to be denied if you want something? Will you be denied if you're, if you're not going to be denied something, uh, you can't be stopped. And this can work if you are working for someone or you're starting your business. If you're working for someone, you know, and you want something different in the business and you say, you know what, I, I'm eventually going to get this. Well, prove your point. Prove you are going to, you know, do whatever it takes to do the next step that nobody else is willing to take to go on that extra job, to read that extra book or take that class on your own time and, you know, do something, um, you know, on your own to show that you're going to be the best you possibly can be. And then if you're in a business, um, be ready to go through the hard stuff. And lastly, I bet you're not doing enough. Like I was told in my business, I was not doing enough. He's right. If you really care about people and you really want to do more, and I know a lot of people that listen to this business, this podcast are in the chimney business. I'd like to challenge you. You aren't doing enough. I promise you could do more. What could you do more? Maybe you could serve on a national level. Maybe you could advertise more. Maybe you could tell people more things. Maybe you could go to more networking events and talk in front of crowds and home inspectors and real estate agents and home uh, homeowners associations and, you know, get our message out there. Uh, and I think one of the main messages for us, too, is uh, that home inspectors are not chimney inspectors. You know, they, they you know, a lot of people think that home ins- if you get a home inspection and he looks at your chimney, then that is all you need to have done. In us in the chimney world, no, that's not true. And most of the people in the home inspection world know that too, but the public doesn't know that. And, and in the home inspector's report, it says, hey, uh, have a professional take a look at this and you know this is not a full inspection but most people don't look at their home inspection that closely and they think everything's done and there's a breach right there so that's my public service announcement for the week but guys uh it was a great week it was a painful week it's a swollen week it's a black and blue week uh it was a party week to start on sunday night it was a great podcast after that no before that And then they cut the top of my leg off, and it's been crazy since then. So, all right, guys, that's my time. Uh, Hang on for Mikey Minutes. Five, four, three, two, one, zero, ignition, liftoff. Welcome back to this week's Mikey Minutes with my good friend Mike Barrett. This week, we want to talk about, you know, we we go out and we do some really fun things and we, you and I are both a little bit addicted to risk. 
And we think that actually applies to business too. Clearly, if you knew when you got in business that it would be 100% chance we're going to be successful, that's different and not true, right? We all know that there's risk. We have risk every day we send our trucks out. But Mike, talk about, talk about how you think about risk as part of your daily life and your business. Um, when I think about risk, I, I'm, I like to risk a lot of things. I'm, I still have a, in the back of my mind, hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to get killed on this. But, I, you know, I look at a pool when I'm on a roof. I'm like, man, I'd like to jump into that pool. <laughs> and sometimes I have to think about it a little bit. And I, I have been known to do that before. But, you know, I'm like risk versus reward. Hey, this is really fun. And I don't know what it is. It's just a... Uh, uh, it, it, life's boring without risk and yeah. business is boring without risk. If, yeah. if you're not risking anything, well, it's okay. whoop de do you get complacent and bored and you just sort of disappear eventually. But I like, you got to have that risk to get that adrenaline rush. Well, I know you and I, um, Mike has an unbelievable collection of sports cars in his, his garage is just, if you walked in there, it's a fantasy land. If you like sports cars and toys and, one day we took some of your cars out. Yes, there was a cars and coffee event at a uh, undisclosed location. So, and my neighbor who is a super nice guy, but he drives a Nissan truck, and I've got some high performance sports cars. Well, I just got a new one, and I'm like, "Hey, Mark, I need you to drive this one. I'm going to drive this one, and I'll let him drive this one." And so we're going on another undisclosed road on a Saturday morning. And I'm like, I want to see which one's faster. <laughs> so Mark was kind enough to oblige, and let's let's try it. So, you know, we're doing like 80 and like, you know, let's go on. So we take off, and I'm not going to say what speeds we reached, but they were uh, more than three times what more, most people would ever see. And uh, my neighbor, of course, who, you know, he got it to 80, and Mark's when we got finished, Mark had, uh, had commented, "Is like, man, anybody can get a ticket doing 80. Where's the story in that? And I'm like, if we're going to get a ticket. We're going to have a story. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, that was unbelievable. High performance sports cars on a, it was relatively open interstate, uh, super fun, but yeah. So I don't know. I just feel that that's where I want to be is where's the edge of this? And where's the front edge? Sometimes it's a bleeding edge, but sometimes it's there's just nobody out there either, right? Correct. I mean, when when you when you know there's no risk, it's. I mean, like I said, it's sort of boring. I mean, you've got to have a risk. When if you like to gamble, I mean, mm-hmm. I like to gamble. It's not that I gamble a lot of money, but I'm always trying to beat numbers, and I'm going to risk this money, and it, I don't get mad. It's uh, when I don't win. I, let me see. How can I rephrase that? It's I, the loss is is not the win that gives me the satisfaction. It's losing. If I lose, I'm like, yeah, I can walk away, but I'm coming back again. I'm not uh-huh. giving up. Yeah. But it, it's fun tinkering with different things to see a process. What do you? And I, I've struggled with this sometimes when people are so risk averse. I can't get them to not be that way. And I I wish I could, you know, and I wish I could say, hey, don't worry about it or, hey, um, just try it. Uh, Like my son, my son is risk averse. My daughter will take every risk in the world, (laughs) you know, and they're from the same family. Right. How do you do you ever how do you approach people that are risk averse, but try to get them to live a little more? Uh, 
I make them do different experiences. I take my salesmen to those. Uh, <laughs> we go climb some rocks, and I want to make them pee on their pants, <laughs> and it, just to show, hey, it's going to be okay. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to die doing this. We're going to have some fun, and yeah, you're going to get scared, but people like that that feeling. You know, one time you and I took out um, James Justice. Oh, yes. And uh, James wore, <laughs> we went four-wheeling and James wore dress shoes. And, and he was muddy and wet and, and scared to death. Absolutely. And uh, he was very ill-prepared. And uh, I'm like, are we going to court today? You know, we've got mud stuff on. And, you know, he's almost in a, a very nice, you know, those clothes are not going to be the same when you're finished with no, this. No. Uh, but you know what's funny about James? I don't know if you know this. Later, he actually made a podcast and a book about taking chances. Uh-huh. He went skydiving. He did. Uh, he hiked the uh, Appalachian Trail. He all the, you know, from that trip, he would never take risk, and he right. was scared when we went. He turned that into, like, he goes, I know I'm scared. of. I'm going to make this a life venture. Well, yes, because, I mean, in his business, I mean, he takes care of people's assets. Yeah, he's a financial advisor. So he's got to have a little risk, but he doesn't want to risk your right. livelihood. So it's hard for certain people to take risk. My my. Brother-in-law is the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I told him he, the, you should have been a, a risk assessor for an insurance agent because <laughs> you can think about all the things that can go wrong, but once you think about all the fun things that can go right, yeah, yeah. and you've got to have that mentality. I, I don't want to be bored and complacent. I want to be a risk taker. Yeah, because that's what you. If you don't take a risk, you're not going to succeed. Yeah, you're going to sit there. You're going to sit there and tread some water and go, okay, hey, this is great. Whoop de do. Yeah. I I want to go. Hey, I'm going to swim across this channel. I don't want to drown. You know, I've got a safety net, mm-hmm. but I'm going to try it. You know, I think your employees can appreciate that too. I think even for mine, they they like that I'm I'm willing to take a risk and and there's a great chance they'll benefit from it. They. And they also know that if I say we're going to do something, we're going to do it. If I tell you I'm doing something, I'm going to give it my best shot to make it happen. And I think everybody around you can benefit from that, too. Oh, absolutely. That's your point of being a leader. And they believe in you. They're like, Mm -hmm. hey, this guy's going to lead us this way. It may may fail, but if it fails, guess what? We're still going to be fine. Mm -hmm. We're going to try another risk. We're, We're going to constantly, constantly push the envelope. I think sometimes as an employer, the reason you have employees is because they don't want to take those risks. So they, but they want you to take them and then they'll follow you. They, they want you, the reason they're following you is because they're not willing to take those risks, but you taking them actually excites them. It's almost like they took the risk with you without, without having to take it. So that's, I think it's important for a business. Well, they may, you make them a believer. And that's yep. the thing. Like, hey, you know, this hurts me. It's going to hurt you. It's like my salesman. I like. I want them to sell everything, and uh, I want them to make all their dreams and wishes come true. Because the more money they make, the more money I'm going to make. Mm-hmm. And I will take some risk, and I do talk to them about it. And uh, I've got some that are more uh, comfortable taking risks than not. But I'm like, you know, if you don't jump out of the airplane. You're not ever going to know that sensation. I don't know if that's a good analogy. It is. It is. I mean, I've actually jumped out of an airplane a handful of times. And the first time when they opened that door and and I was on doing what's called static line. Now they do, you know, tandem where you, you know, you're tied to a guy and jump out. But at the time I did it, you were jumping out by yourself. 
even the first time you had to jump out by yourself and i didn't know how to fly a parachute i mean they did ground training and everything but then you they got somebody in your ear telling you how to guide it in but still it's scary when they open that door and say get out I was like, oh my gosh, what have I done? And and then I did it a bunch more times, probably seven or eight more times after that. But And I did bungee jumping in New Zealand last year. And man, jumping off a 150-foot bridge with just something tied to your feet. Uh, but I don't know. That's where life is. That's where life is. And I've done the bungee thing too. And most people were... I did a Superman just like you did. I, I wanted to see where I'm going. Well, you jumped off the stratosphere in, in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, that's true. <laughs> I was there with you. That's when you right. Did it. That's right. That's right. Uh, and that's a, you know, it, it's the only thing that's scary about it. You got some 20 year old hooking you up, and I'm like, I hope they pay you more than minimum wage because this is my life here. Okay. <laughs> but that's where the fun is, and so I think we're we're like minded in that. And and if you're listening. Uh, You know, you don't have to go to the extremes, but try something a little riskier. Try a new service. Try a new part of your business. Do something that's just on the edge of your comfort zone. That's where living is. That's where living is. And like I I always refer to it, life's a game. Enjoy it. Yeah. You can't win every time, but, you know, you're going to learn when you lose how to become better. You weren't great when you played checkers. You didn't know what you were doing. Eventually, you got better at it. Yeah. Thanks again, Mike. All right, guys, that's my time. I hope you guys have a great week. I hope I recover, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or any place that you listen to podcasts. More information is also available at markstoner.com.